Our Tuesday morning friend, Dr. Marlon Delatore, is on the phone with us. Good morning, Dr. Marlon. Good morning, David and Amanda. How are you both? Good morning. Fantastic. Happy Excellent. Virtuous Friendship Day. That's a great day to start. To be <laughs> virtuous, have a friend, and share that wealth with others. That's great. We're going to continue our series this morning on the Beatitudes. And mm -hmm. what are we, number... Number two. Number two. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's there's a beauty with with the Beatitudes. Again, just for the sake of our listening audience, the Beatitudes are a pathway to salvation, and this is what our Lord intended when He is fulfilling the uh, the bridge of salvation between uh, the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes and the Law of Faith. And when you see this particular beatitude on, on mourning, our human identity tends to think, all right, mourning for those who have passed away, mourning for the sick, mourning for those who, who are desperate, who are desolate, who may be struggling. But there's an underlying uh, theme for this particular beatitude is mourning out of loss of a relationship with God and also mourning from a suffering out of love. So what the intention here really it's just to get us started, is when you ache for a relationship with God, when you desire to be, uh, to have this intimacy with Jesus Christ, and, and you're struggling with it, there is a spiritual warning. There's a longing for our Lord if, if you truly are placing yourself before His presence um, in prayer, in adoration, uh, going to Mass, um, even simple gestures of acknowledging His, His presence in your daily life. And so, we we look at the whole issue of mourning as a, as a loss of our relationship with God, how sin really impedes that ability to love Him, and really that there's a, there's a consequence in, in some respects on this reality of sin that it, it really separates us from God, and, and that is true mourning, that that is suffering, and so it, there's a beautiful background here with this uh, the attitude that allows us to obviously know that hope reigns in Jesus Christ, and that not having really a relationship with Him it is a sense of, of, of true mourning, because He is our world. And, and this is just a, a beautiful just a segue as our Lord literally uh, painstakingly, just and lovingly at the same time, just continues to um, uh, expose us to just the grace of His love through this beatitude. Dr. Marlin, I love how you started with kind of Yes, the initial we see this natural idea of mourning over the sickness and mm -hmm. um, those who are desperate, but also really mourning, like you said, the underlining really kind of loss of that relationship with God and that struggle with intimacy with Him. Mm -hmm. um, I And it, it automatically makes me think of also because you mentioned sin, and the idea of true contrition. So would you mm -hmm. say there's a direct link between kind of this idea of mourning and true contrition? Oh, absolutely. So as, as a penitent, my responsibility, if, if I have a full understanding of my own faculties and will, and if, if I truly see Jesus Christ as the aim of my life on a daily basis, the, the whole issue of, of contrition and mourning is related to that. So contrition, by definition, means that your heart, your mind, and your soul, your intellect, and your will really are, are profoundly moved 
by actions that may take you away from, from God, taking away from our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And so when you look at contrition, contrition calls you to exert an understanding of, I desire that intimacy with him. I want to be near him, and I am truly sorrowful if I'm not. And the beauty of contrition within the whole formula of confession, all right, when you present yourself and you confess your sins, all right, when you receive, um, and you show a contrite heart, you receive absolution, and then you do your penance in that formula. Contrition is very intimately bound to this, and it allows us really to break free from that mourning because you're declaring, I, I love you, Lord. I love you more than my own sin. And it's a beautiful way to really break free. But there is a very unique and beautiful relationship into that. And it then makes me think of, well, how do we cultivate a greater sense of um, mourning or a greater mm -hmm. sense of contrition? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, first and foremost, uh, the, the, the daily offering that you give to our Lord, and what I mean by that is this, uh, that you place your trust in Him and, and all the travails and the challenges that you're going to wake up to face on that particular day. He said, Lord, uh, I literally, though I'm trying to surrender to you, I know I can't do this without you. And so this is probably like the first step in terms of that understanding of spiritual mourning, contrition, uh, of surrender. Because the aim of this beatitude also is, can you suffer well? That, that, and that's maybe hard for our audience to understand. And what I'm trying to explain here is the church is built on the suffering of Christ on the cross. And what he endured, he endured probably the greatest pain and agony any human can endure because he was both fully human and obviously fully divine. And so he showed us through the incarnation that you can suffer well if you are literally in love with him and that there's no calamity that can be so greater and his love for you. So this really um, uh, takes us to a, really a more deeper sense of understanding of what uh, blessed are those who mourn, contrition, seeking the will of God, dealing with sin, etc. Dr. Marlon Delatorres here in the cafe with Dave Worsborn and Amanda Miller. Doctor, when you mentioned how the, the entire body, your, your mm -hmm. essence, you know, your body, soul, your, your spirit, your mind just aches when, when you mourn, you know, the loss of a loved one, of a, a broken relationship. And, and we've all felt that, that just total agony. And then you bring that to Jesus on the cross and what that suffering must have been like to suffer for all of humanity, to bring all of our suffering, all of our broken relationships, all of, yeah, just all of our pain to the cross. Mm -hmm. You know, Dave, I'm glad you, you brought that narrative to fruition. It's when we seek our Lord's wisdom and guidance, uh, and taking the, in the second beatitude on those who mourn, we, we assent to three things. One is Christ has died and he's won through his death. And because of that, um, our first instance is to ask him for help. And that's a facility of the spirit. And we know that 
excuse me, that he can assist us because he has taken the weight and the burden of all the human calamities of the world and offers up in that singular event, which is his death, his crucifixion, and then, so, then afterwards, obviously, his resurrection and ascension. And when we offer those elements, uh, we are rest assured that he can handle them. Now, the second point is this. Now that we've given him our, our worries, our cares, our frustrations, our suffering, now what he asks us is this, okay, now that I have them, now you're going to walk with me with them. I've taken the, the, the brunt of it. Now you have to take the residue of it and, and, and follow through and overcome that while still on earth. And that would be the second step in, in this process of mourning. If that, all right, now, how do I invoke the grace of Christ in my life? What am I supposed to do to really handle these challenges, these sufferings well? And then the third point is this, that the aim is to literally be um, a brother or sister in Christ, live out that sacramental life, because those elements of living a virtuous life are the aim to heaven. So when you offer up these sufferings, then when you walk with the residue of the suffering, because we're still going to sin. So he just doesn't take away our, quote-unquote, of the, the stain of our sin. We're, we're still going to deal with concupiscence on a daily basis. Now the question is, how will we carry it well? How do we offer it up to our sacramental life where the aim is heaven? And that's the beauty of this, of this narrative, is we tend to forget that, that he does give us the strength to carry it well, and it's in the sacramental life. And if you tie that together, then the aim for heaven becomes more real to the person. And, and that's something that we tend to, to be amiss of. But I'm, I'm glad you set that stage. I really appreciate that. And Dr. Merlin, in terms of cultivating kind of this beatitude in each of mm -hmm. our lives, I think where my mind goes to is this idea of gratitude. Like you had mentioned really looking at the cross and mm -hmm. and so if i spend time meditating on the cross and meditating on what christ did for me that then cultivates that greater love for for christ which then in terms i would assume will help us in our our spiritual life and draw us closer to desiring the sacra sacraments more so oh you're absolutely right and i think um, uh, cultivation being the operative term for this entire journey, uh, it's like planting a, a simple seed of faith on a daily basis and using that, that seed of faith, which could be the virtues of faith, hope, and love. It could be the cardinal virtues. It could be a prayer book. It could be a recitation from scripture, lecture of the vena. Whatever you use to allow you to focus on Christ, the, the, these, these fruits of cultivation really plant seeds. And those seeds have to be watered, they have to be nurtured and, and nourished. And it does allow us to, to, to seek Christ in a very simple but loving way. And we've got to work at it. And that's the thing. And so our cultivation should be driven uh, really by the desire that, that Christ is one, uh, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And the, because of that, we know that uh, there, there is a prize to be had. And our, our daily cultivation of our own life is key to that. And it's refreshing to know that you can overcome something that's been impeding you for a long time and just breathe in fresh air and say, ah, I see you more clearly, Lord. Thank you. So, uh, I think that's, that's a beautiful way of, of looking at 
just this whole operative term of, of spiritual cultivation for us. I, I know um, also in my own life, what's helped me to cultivate this is just even just driving around and seeing, you know, people on the side of the road who mm-hmm. are begging and this mm-hmm. idea of like, wow, Lord, okay, you didn't, I wasn't born into a situation like that and I've been mm-hmm. very blessed. And so having gratitude for that, but mourning for, for others' loss or, or mourning for others' need, but then asking mm-hmm. the Lord, okay, then how can I serve you? Like, how can yeah. I turn this, this mourning into a gratitude and a service? Absolutely. Beautifully said, because if we're not driven by our daily cross to bear the burdens of others in some way, uh, then we've missed the mark. And for, for those who are in need, both spiritual, physical, emotional, psychological, we are, we are there to, to help them. We are there to carry part of the burden as we are able to. And this is important outreach of the Beatitude and the Call, because it's uh, what we would call just the, the, the identity of our anthropology, we're human. We're not made to basically just fend for ourselves. We're, we're meant to be an extension of our Lord and to help our fellow brothers such in Christ. Hence, I mean, the, the greatest commandments are the call to love God and to love neighbor. So if our Christian beatitude is devoid of the eternal beatitude of taking care of our brothers and in Christ, we've got a problem. And so it, the world is there for us to expose the knowledge of God and to love and to serve him and to serve those in him. Well said. And I think that is so beautiful because we'll be talking about community today, this idea of our greatest call mm-hmm. being called to love God and love our neighbor. Amen. Amen. It's, it's, it's an extension of who we are. Our anthropology is naturally embedded to serve one God and two, our fellow neighbor who's created an image of life of God. So there, there can never be a separation. It, it'd be an anathema to think that we should not have a desire to help those in need. Right. Mm-hmm. Dr. Marlin, we are so grateful for you and for the time that you spend with us every Tuesday. Thank you. No, you're too kind. It's a blessing to always be with you, David and Amanda. I know that this is a, a great time just to speak of our Lord and speak of them well. Yeah. Thanks, Amen. Dr. Marlin. Amen. Next Tuesday, we're going to go to Blessed are the Meek, for they will inherit the land. Amen. Dr. Marlin Della Torre, thanks for being with us in the cafe. Appreciate it, both of you. God bless you both. God bless you, brother. Let's take this opportunity to fill up our mugs, and maybe if you are near a Bible, you can open up to Sirach chapter 6. We're going to be talking about virtuous friendships with our friends Macy and Dennis when we come back. <laughs>